I, I pride myself on, on being a very hard worker. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I see people around me that aren't, you know, and I'm not saying like every day they, I'm not saying like every second of every day, everybody has to be just busting their ass. I'm not that type of person by right. any means. Yeah. But if, if there's a lot of work to be done and you have people who are just standing around talking or, you know, whatever, that's an, that's an issue. And, but that's not just an issue um, from a supervisor standpoint, that's an issue from a company standpoint. Mm-hmm. That means that your company is paying people to stand around, but also paying people to bust their ass. You know what I'm saying? So like you have to, I think from a company point of view, you have to look at those things. You have to look at those things too. And I'm not saying necessarily fire people or anything like that, but you know, you've got to have a, at least a, a um, clean slate of people all across the board who are at least putting in effort. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Hey, thank you for checking into this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you all once again to go to bijack.com slash CEP pick up all of your CEP network gear, including the new hoodies and coffee mugs and koozies representing all three of the shows on our network, which includes Crusher Cast, Raised on the Radio, and of course, the CEP. Also, head on over to truenutrition.com for all of your nutrition and supplement needs. And when you check out, be sure to use the code CEPN for a 5% discount on your total order. Now for this episode, Colt and I bring a cerebral chat that we titled, You Do You. During this episode, we talk once again some disc golf, along with some of the pitfalls of kids being on social media and the internet in general, and we unpack some of the differences people exhibit in their work ethics. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to keep those brains warm once again. So, without further introduction, here we go. Hi. I think we're live, dude. We are live? Uh, If you want to call it live. Uh, It's it's alive. I'm A-live. A-live. Well, welcome. (laughs) To yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me as always is my good friend Colt. Abzo freaking Luli. And with with us today, I don't know where that came from. What are you are you okay? I don't know. Usually, I mean, a lot of times we have guests, not usually here lately, but there for a while we had a stretch where we were having a lot of guests on, and I guess I'm just still in that mode. Mm Mm-hmm. We had a cancellation last night due to some health problems in the family. Yes. And we were supposed to have some guests on, so maybe I just was ready for that, and you my been, brain is just, catching up. He's been prepping for a week for this. <clears throat> it it happens, like, yeah. Yeah, and then we threw you a curveball. It's okay. Uh-huh. <coughs> Life throws many curveballs. It does. And it behooves one to be prepared for such. Yep. Right? right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we hit record, you were talking about purchasing some disc golf baskets. Yes, sir. For the yard. Yeah. I am intrigued uh-huh. and I am happy. Uh-huh. Talk to me about this. What's what's the plan? So at seven o'clock last night, one of my nephews calls me and says, hey, what are you doing? I'm like sitting on my couch. He goes, um, what do you think about me bringing a basket over and playing some disc golf? I was like, sure. We've thrown around the idea of doing this for a while, you know, buying a basket. And I've got plenty of land out here to be able to, you know throw make a part a legit par three something like that you know so i go all right right, no big deal and we had a freaking blast for like three hours Mm. uh at least a good par three and i have a good couple of spots of concrete to use as tees to throw off of and 
look up little creeks that are fun to throw in. I actually got to throw a new disc that I haven't got to throw yet, and it went straight in the creek, so that was neat. Um, and then we got a dust of dawn light right outside in the front yard, so even after it was dark, we just moved it there, and we putted, played some pig over and over and over again. Lots of fun, man. Nice. I've seen the portable baskets, which is what I assume that you're mm-hmm. going to purchase. Mm-hmm. seen those on Amazon, and I was like, yeah, that would be a good idea because like even this summer I'm going camping and mm-hmm. I thought, man, I could just take my portable disc golf basket out there and, there and do a little play and you know, not real long distances, but where we camp at, there's usually a, a pretty big open spot because we go through the week. And so a lot of times there's not a lot of people in, in the, uh, cause we camp right next to the river, mm-hmm. which is pretty much always pretty busy, but in the, just across the gravel road on the other side, there's a pretty good sized field. And I'm thinking, man, Nowadays, it seems like a lot of things that I, I'm doing in life, I'm thinking, how can I fit this into disc golf? Right? Yeah. I mean, it's a thing. It's exciting. It is. It is exciting. We just, when, you, when you find something fun like that, it tends to, you do that. It, it kind of changes your mind. It changes mm-hmm. your perspective on things. You start thinking about that all the time. And right. that's kind of like what disc golf is for us right now. Mm-hmm. Because 90% of the time, no matter what's in my cart... There's something else related to disc golf, usually a disc, in that card as well, Mm -hmm. you know. And so it's just a thing. And will it slow down? Maybe eventually. You know, I doubt I'm going to be this, like, on fire for disc golf forever. But I don't ever plan on stopping playing because it's just a a fabulous game. Well, you did really figure out the cardio aspect of it recently, right? I did. You you actually went solo and played, like, 18 holes on your own. Mm -hmm. No, you said more than that, didn't you? You played a full round, and then you threw in a few more holes. I played 27 holes, and then some. Because I I got on the first hole, and then would shoot that hole, then come around to number nine, shoot back down, did that in a a rectangle or whatever type of shape that is. Um, Maybe an extra four or five times after I shot 27 holes. Nice. And so, but yeah, the cardio when you're by yourself is a little more significant because mm-hmm. you just keep moving. Right. You know, when it's me and you together, we stop, we talk, we wait for the other person to shoot, you know, whoever's behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's not quite as consistent, man. Yeah. When you're by yourself and you're just moving, especially when you're playing 27 plus holes, mm-hmm. my legs were pretty shot. And that was, I think that was the day after leg day too. Ooh, it was there you either go. the day or two days after our last leg day. And yeah. so, I was feeling it, man, but it felt good. You know, it felt like I got some cardio in, like I walked maybe seven and a half miles. Nice. You know? Yeah. I really think that like if you, if you pick a day where you're fasting, I think that would be good cardio to do because mm. it's fun that kind of keeps you motivated to keep going, even though you may be a little tired because you haven't really eaten in like 24 hours. Yeah. But, you know, not having anything in your stomach and just burning calories and burning calories for a while, it's not a bad idea. It's not. I just hope that I don't get so hungry that those bugs out there by the tree start looking too good <laughs> because you know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. And there's this one tree in particular, and there, there's several trees where this happens, but there's one in particular where it's just infested with these flying bugs. It's the one right before pride rock, right? So the basket's normally behind the tree, but now it's like way up there. Um, Is that what you're talking about? I think the one I was thinking of was the one that's past that one. It's when you're coming back up toward the killer bees. Oh, okay. The live bees. Okay. That's where I was attacked. Okay. Uh, coming back up that way before you shoot that that one that I birdied. Gotcha. The last time. Okay. It, I, I didn't know. It, they were swarming. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I literally took off running 
and waving, you know, trying to swat the bugs with my disc. <laughs> they turned into weapons of a sort for nice. defensive purposes. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't going to look for trouble, but if trouble seeks me out, I will hit you with my disc. <laughs> you know, and th- that, that was the situation that I was in with those bugs. But no, yeah, I, the cardio aspect of disc golf is it's, it's, it can be pretty formidable. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be a it can be a thing, and so yet another reason to get out there and go shoot. Yeah, for sure. Go shoot with your friends. Go shoot by yourself. It's also a peaceful time. Yeah, unless you're shooting terrible, and then you're there's a lot of loud cursing and yelling and throwing of things. Right. Other than discs. Right. Or maybe also disc in the bag, and you know. Yeah. Any rocks or tree limbs that you can get a hold of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just the putting aspect is really nice to have a a portable basket that you can just throw out in the yard. Because, I mean, you can play the 10 meters or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, you can play that easily, yeah. you know? Just, and, in, in, you know, it's, I wouldn't say practice makes perfect with disc golf, but practice makes pretty decent when, if you're if you're putting every day. You know what I mean? Like, over and over and over again. Absolutely. Just rep, rep after rep after rep. Yeah. Putting is one of those things that it, it looks a lot easier to me than what it actually is mm-hmm. a lot of times. Especially because, you know, when they're designing these courses, they, you know, they know what they're doing. Like, I'm going to put this basket right behind this freaking tree, right? (laughs) Or this giant, huge bush or both. Mm -hmm. Be several trees, like, you know, whole 10 at the course we play at the most. That's a terrible, terrible place for a basket. But they do that on purpose, obviously. Right. You know, and there's a lot of places where, you know, my hole where I tend to par every time mm-hmm. um, where they, keep, they, you know, they've got the basket back there. But and there's plenty of room around the trees, but the tree limbs hang low. So you've got like, a, I don't know, maybe a f- five foot top ceiling that you've got to get under to even get to the basket. Right. That's cruel. But I get <laughs> it. You know, it's part of the game. It's it's neat for um like learning approach and stuff like that though because mm-hmm. you, you you have a spot you you know it's not easy to just land a disc in a certain spot you know like you have a, a certain window of area where you want to be away from the limbs but not behind a tree and it's like four trees that are surrounding this thing so you're trying to land it in a certain spot yes you know it's not easy to do with a disc especially because you can't control i mean I guess if you're a professional or you're somebody that's really good at disc golf, you can control a little bit or use the right disc to where it's not going to roll very much or anything like that. But you're not going to be able to control all of your, you know, everything that the disc is going to do once it leaves your hand. So True. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're me. Like once it leaves my hand. <laughs> it's it, hard to tell what's going to happen. It's in God's hands, man. Now yeah. I got to let it go. <laughs> I try. I try to steer it with my mind. I know you do with your words sometimes. You're like, go left, go left. And it never listens. And, and then you end up saying it didn't go, what do you say, lefty-er enough? Lefter. Or lefter. lefter. Yeah, yeah, go lefter. Uh-huh. Go lefter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you still try. And maybe one of these days you will master that that Jedi type of control of your disc once I feel like your there's hand. probably banned in tournament jedi powers yeah <laughs> you're probably <laughs> right but you know they keep making these rules i know it's it rules are for suckers ruins the game if you ask me <laughs> but anyway anyway uh love the disc golf and waiting for a new bag to come in so i can store oh, you got it ordered yes yeah, so i nice. can store more gifts or more gifts Gifts? Yeah, I don't know. It is, it is, it is a do gift. We, do we right? get, are we playing together soon? I love gifts. Well, you've got to earn the gifts, though. <laughs> no, order more uh, or hold more discs. Did you get the trooper? I didn't. No, okay. I didn't. I got something somewhat similar. Okay. I went with a little bit of a cheaper version. Gotcha. Okay. You know, so yeah, it looks like a decent bag. I forget what it's called now. It's got a, maybe it's called Disc Kings or something. I don't remember. I, I remember what the emblem looks it's like. It's like two but, Ds? 
I don't think it's dynamic discs. Oh, okay. I don't think so. Okay. I don't remember. I'll have to, because it wasn't a familiar name to me. Okay. I, I got to be honest with you. I went with it because it was a little bit of a lower price. I get it. For now, uh, you know, because once again, I'm still brand new and I'm probably going to wear the the dog crap out of this bag. So there you go. Just chilling with it for right now, but I need something bigger. I appreciate the bag, the hand-me-down that you handed down to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's working, but it's, 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 I'm already outgrowing the number of discs I have won't fit in there. Gotcha. You know, so I just need something bigger for right now. I'm not looking for anything fancy. You know, so earlier I was, when I was looking for the my basket, I was scrolling through Amazon and I felt like a moron because I start scrolling through and all of a sudden these, these bags start popping up. Well, the trooper bags like I have, um, I didn't know that the top zipper on the bag was actually for putters. I've just been using it for like storage of other of things. <laughs> like I put a Bluetooth speaker in there nice. and my keys and yeah. other stuff like that. While because the whole bottom part of the bag is all for discs, right? Yeah. Apparently that's all for like drivers and mid ranges and stuff like that. And you can fit like four putters up in the top. So I'm sitting back here in the podcast room and I see this and I what do I do? I instantly stand up. I run to the kitchen or the dining room where my bag is at, and I take my putters out of that and put them in the top. Immediately, I had to. You had to fix this. Uh I was like, I can't let anybody see that I'm putting a Bluetooth speaker in the putter hole. I can't do that. Okay, but my question is, now do you have a place for your speaker and your keys? No, I'm gonna figure something out with that. Yeah. So I don't know. I I might. I don't know if I would make the change. I wonder if there's disc golf bags that are Bluetooth capable. If not, there should be. There should be. Uh huh. They should be. I, I'm not sure, but if it's not happened yet, it it should happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's probably somebody listening right now as we speak, since mm-hmm. we're all being spied on. Uh, it's going to make that happen now. So okay. w- w- once Good. it once it pops up on the market, we'll give you props. Okay. No, no, they won't. No, we will. Oh, we will. Yeah. Okay. Because you, you that, that matters. Yeah. yeah well, I all mean, the money goes to whoever made it, but I just still I get it. Still, man. I mean, we're gonna act like they don't exist. Okay. And it's just going to be your idea. And it leaked out because we were talking about it and Google's always listening. So, and there's somebody monitoring that. You know, there has to be. It's true. So. I'm, I'm anxious to see what kind of ads I get for, I said putter hole. I'm sure that's going to bring up Ooh, something boy. weird. Yeah. You got to mm-hmm. watch what you say nowadays. Uh-huh. There's no telling what kind of ads you're going to get. I tell you what, as far as ads go, like on, on Facebook, Wish. Have you seen some of these Wish ads? Some weird stuff, right? Dude, they're like <laughs> perverted, like big time. Oh, yeah. I have seen some of those. They're like, uh, um, what is that? There's one that pops up a lot. It's like something boutique or something like that, I think. But it's like, I mean, women in like skimpy stuff. Yeah. I've never searched anything like that. Uh, Samesies, but Wish, they put it all out there. I mean, it, granted, it's a drawing, but it shows a, you know well-formulated vagina, I guess we could say. Really? Because there's this contraption. I don't remember which one this was doing. Some of them squeeze it closed. Some of them keep it open. This is on Wish. I don't know why. Why are why are we doing this for on Facebook where there are, I guess you have to be at least 14, but my goodness, if when I was 14, if I had Facebook and I saw a Wish ad, I'd, I'd have kept that. I'd have screenshotted it for sure, <laughs> you know? But there's all kinds of crap, just stuff that doesn't even make sense. There's just one. I don't know if I sent it to you or not, but it's... It's a giant dickhead, and it's a mask, but it stands about this tall over your head. And it looks like the, you know, the the head, and then some of the foreskin of a penis. Why? I don't know. Oh, okay. I have no idea. I don't. It's coming from China, so hmm. you know, I don't know what they're thinking over there. Weird. Why are they putting all that stuff out there, especially just like on Facebook ads? I, I'm surprised, Zuck. Where are you at? Where are you at here, Zuck? 
you need to Facebook jail Wish because they're perverted and they're putting some shit on there that I don't think it passes your standards there, buddy. Are you getting entertainment out of seeing these things, though? I'd be lying if I said no. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I'm wondering why you're screaming at Zuck whenever you're like, stop giving me entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) I think the point is the hypocrisy more than anything. I get it, yeah. And... Also, because there are, you know, kids on Facebook, 14 is still a kid, you know, Mm -hmm. 15 is still a kid. You know, my kids, of course, my daughter's 12. She's not old enough for Facebook yet. But when she's 14, I don't want her seeing a big dickhead on there. Right. Like that. Or some kind of a woman part manager of some kind. Have you, that's an interesting question. Have you uh, thought about, which I know you kind of have the lockdown on your kids' phones and stuff as far as apps go and stuff like that. But have Mm -hmm. you thought about like the bigger apps like Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that, um, a certain age that you're trying to wait for or anything like that or? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. Because I mean, at a certain point, they kind of have to navigate, you kind of have to let them navigate their own way through. Yeah, that's right. But you can't really monitor Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that, right? You, well... Unless you were like short, every person that you, that you friend, let me. I have to see it before you accept it and stuff like that. But yeah, and they're still. I mean, if they're they're going to be able to get around it if they want yeah, to. Yeah, for know? sure. I was a, I was a kid once, and I, it just so happens that I was a pretty sneaky kid, and so I know a lot of the tricks, you know. And, and I try to keep up with all the tricks of technology nowadays too. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff out there that you can fool others with. You know, uh, whether it be apps that look like one thing, but it's really something else, like a photo vault or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, you know, the the Snapchat where the picture goes away, I guess, you know, which um, so there's no evidence of it unless you screenshot it. Things like that. I try to stay hip on. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. But the only thing you can do as a parent is get your kid's phone every once in a while and look at it. And I'm all for that mm-hmm. because they are, it's my kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't do it to anybody else's kid. Right. That's my child. Right. And I am, I can't monitor, like I can't look at my screen and see in real time what she's looking at, what she's doing. As far as I know, there's no technology for that that I can possess. Right. So what I have to do is I have to procure the phone. I have to get the phone myself and, and go through it and just kind of do um, a, a pretty a kind of a broad sweep, but if I see anything that might possibly be a red flag, I, I dive into it. Okay. And I also talk to her a lot about it, though. It's it's funny you mention that, and I'll get back to the age in just a minute because I do have an idea, but it might not be what you're thinking. So yesterday, uh, Kayla went with her friends. My daughter went with her friends uh, to the, I guess, South County. Maybe they went to the mall or something like that. They went up there somewhere with her friend and her friend's mom and I, I think uh, her dad, whatever. Anyway, she went up there and she got back and she told she told me these stories about how some of the people up there creeped her out. Like there's this one lady that seemed to be following them and things like that. I don't know if it's actually true, but I'm glad they're at least watching. I'd rather yeah. they be a little bit more paranoid than, right. than aloof. Yeah. But they came home and they started telling me about how yesterday was supposedly National Rape Day. Okay, so this was this thing that was propagated on TikTok, which I do allow my daughter to TikTok. I don't allow her to post anything, but she can view it and follow it. And she, as far as I know, keeps me abreast of these things, and so I allow it. So apparently this, and it was it was a hoax, because I think it was either last week, this past week, or just yesterday was sexual assault awareness 
day or week, whichever is the case, right? So somebody on TikTok did this hoax where they said yesterday, April 24th, was National Rape Day. And so it was kind of like the purge, as they were saying on this post, that you, it was okay, you, you could go rape somebody and not suffer any consequences. You get a freebie for going out and raping people yesterday. Although this was a hoax, it's a dangerous one, right? Because kids out there, or, or let's, let's roll back. If there are people out there who are susceptible to this kind of hoax and they go out and they sexually assault someone, then that's a big problem because it was, in fact, propagated on social media. It was a hoax, but people could take it seriously. And also, um, kids know about this. And so, you know, I'm I'm glad, but also my 12-year-old knows what rape is. You know, I'm glad that she's she's being aware. And when she came home and, you know, they were talking about it. And I said, because I was really worried about her going anyway, I'm, I'm pretty protective. I'm not a helicopter parent per se, but I just, I worry a lot about my girls, about my girl, my boy. And when I say girls, her friend is right. like my girl too. Right. So, but she came, when she came home and they were talking about it, she's like, well, dads, I don't like talking to you about this because I know that you're just going to say, well, see, that's why I worry so much and yada, yada. I said, well, since I'm going to worry about you, you know, that that's I'm, I'm your dad and you're my world and I'm going to do everything I can to protect you right. without, you know, chaining you to the basement, and not letting you out until you're 27. Yeah, at least, which is sometimes that's what, you know, minus the chains. I wish I could just keep on to her until she was 27. But well, before you move on, though, that that tells me, though, that you're doing a good thing because like her her saying that means that 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 your voice is in the back of her head Mm -hmm. you know like she don't want to talk to you about it because she knows you're going to say this that means that she knows in a scenario or in a situation she's got you in the back of her head saying this is why i worry this is why i worry yeah you know so that's a good thing means you're doing a good job i hope so yeah i hope that the the net result is is definitely positive you know i hope that she and she is she's recognizing things recognizing situations i don't want her to be scared to walk out of the door right you know i I don't want her to be scared of the world but i want her to understand and be cautious of the dangers that are out there and to mitigate those by making wise choices yeah you know and wise choices include staying with your friends when you're at the store making sure your phone is charged it drives me insane she lets her phone go dead and i can't get a hold of her yeah and i know what happens when it happens because it goes straight to voicemail or or the text won't go through drives me up a wall and i'm on her all the time charge your phone charge your phone charge your phone that's another thing i want in the back of her head so she always has her phone charged because if it dies she needs help what are you gonna do right you know how's Mm -hmm. it gonna happen so at any rate i told her though basically what you were saying i just said you it's okay for for me to worry but it's also good for us to talk about I, i want you to tell me everything like that because that lets me know that you are paying attention yeah if you don't you know, verbalize those things, it makes me worry more because I don't know if you're paying attention to those things. I don't know if my voice is getting through to you. Right. And that's concerning, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a really good relationship with my 12-year-old right now, you know. And I've always pretty much had a good relationship with her, but she's really starting to mature mentally in a way. Psychologically, she she's really starting to put a lot of two and two together. And it's very interesting. It's It's very... I, you know, a proud daddy moment, I guess. But it, it's very interesting to see her starting to put these things together and the kind of talks that we have. I, I She's not a little kid anymore, in a way. You yeah. know, she still is. She's always be my baby. But she's like, her logic is really starting to, to develop. 
And it's just very cool to look in her eyes and have those conversations and see those things because I can tell that she's really, she's she's becoming more empathetic. So she's putting herself in a way, even though she might not be formulating it the way that I'm verbalizing it, but in a way she's putting herself in my shoes because she doesn't want dad to worry, you yeah. know? And, and so she's, she's going down the list a lot of times, dad, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this without me having to say those things because she knows that's what's coming. Right. But she's, she wants to tell me that because she doesn't want me to worry. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So I forget how we got on this track, but. uh Oh, the age for social uh, media. Thank you. Thank you. That was the main point anyway. I don't think there is a set age. You know, I, I think 14 is such an arbitrary number. I, I guess if you're Facebook, you have to have a number. I think it depends on the child. It depends on on their developmental stage, basically, as opposed to their chronological age, right? Mm-hmm. How <clears throat> how mature they are for 14, 15, 16. And you have to gauge that individually. You can't do that with a broad stroke. Well, have you, have you had any of the scenarios yet where, um, I guess it's like the stereotypical thing, but it's like, you know, your daughter comes home and says, hey, can I do this? And you say no. And they're like, well, but... So-and-so gets to do it, and they're my age. They're in my grade or something like that. Have you had to deal with any of that yet? Oh, yeah. And so, is social media part of that? Is there social me- people in, like, in her grade or anything that has social media yet and it, or anything like that? I think I think we've probably uh, – I think we've had that conversation before. It, it's been a while. Gotcha. You know, because well, I – Well, that, that just to me – I mean, I'm not a parent yet, but it, it's – that's kind of scary w- when it comes to that because it, if – if you tell your kid no, but they know that other kids around them are doing it like the same age or, you know, and I'm, this is just a broad statement, like anything, it doesn't have to be social media. It can be anything, but like if all their kids or the friends are doing it, but the parent says no, that's when like rebellion kind of starts. Right. Cause right. it's like, well, everybody around me else around me is doing it. I should be able to do it too, regardless of my parents says yes or no. Yeah. And then, you know, that, that's when you got to worry more, right? Because you're like, well, are they going to try to go do it even though I said no? It's, it's interesting you bring up this point because, you know, we were gearing up to talk with the Talking Dads, the yeah. podcast. We uh-huh. were, you know, were going to have them on as guests. And I was wanting to have some parenting points from a dad's point of view to talk about with them. And this was one of them. The, the fine line that we walk when we're giving our kids a direction, especially when they're at this age, mm-hmm. because at, you know, age, ages zero through, I don't know, depending on the, it's individual, like, you know, once again, per the child, but we'll just say roughly ages zero through 11 in this case, because I'll use my daughter as an example. We, um, we can pretty much just put your foot down. You know, it's not good to say, because I said, so, I mean, you should always be educating your child as to the logic behind the, what you, you know, the, the rules that you're making or the guidelines you're setting forth, whatever mm-hmm. it, their, their understanding is limited though. And so you use logic as much as possible, but at the end of the day, I'm your parent. You need to do this because I'm taking care of you. And now, you know, go over there or something or, or come over here, whatever the case is. But yeah. this conversation is not going to go on because now you're just whining and I've got to shut you down. Right. Because it's not productive conversation. So you've got to gear that kind of conversation toward that, that individual. But it's a fine line that we walk when they start putting logic together because like you said, if you if you say things like and these were some of the exact lines that I had made in my notes, because I'm your parent and I said so, or if you say something like, As long as you live under my roof, you're going to obey my rules. Mm-hmm. What kind of 
what kind of like response do you think might develop in that child's head if you use the line, while you live in my house, you follow my rules? Well, they're not thinking about the follow my rules part. They're only thinking about the beginning if you're living in my house. So now it's the automatic, well, I got to find out a way. If I want to do what I want to do, then I can't live under your roof. Yeah. So what it, what it says to me is as soon as I can, mm-hmm. just as soon as I can possibly do it, I'm going to find a way to get out of da- from under dad's roof because I don't like his rules. Right. And I don't want that. I want my kids to leave when they're ready. You know, I, I don't want them to leave before that just because they want to get out and, and, and do whatever they want to do, you know. Right. The other statement that I was, uh, that I had noted, I had to look it up here really quickly. Don't let, and this this goes for kids of all ages. This, this doesn't come like when they start getting their logic developed more. This happens anytime. And you've got to be careful with. And I caught myself saying it one time and I thought, because I remember, like I said, I was a sneaky kid, right? And so I would find loopholes. And that's what kids will do if they think about it. The statement is, don't let me catch you doing that again. Right. What does that tell the kid? Right. Don't let you ke- don't let me catch you. That's, yeah. that's it. As long as I don't get caught, uh-huh. then it's it's gonna it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna get through with it, right? Yeah. Right. So and or or don't let me hear you say that again. Or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Right. Whatever you can say that makes them think that as long as you don't see them, hear them, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. then you know, as long as they don't get caught, they're going to get by with it. Right. That's dangerous, right? Yeah. I, I want my kids to tell me everything, you know, and I want them to be comfortable in whatever it is they're doing. Because both my both my kids, my son is nine, they have come across things on social media. My, my boy loves YouTube, but he goes down those rabbit holes that we talked about in previous episodes. Uh, and there's a lot of bad language and just weird stuff, man. There's weird stuff out there. It, it seems psychologically detrimental. And I don't know who's doing this, but I have to have a talk with him. I'm like, son, you can't, because what he tries to do is just that. He ch- he's like, I'll say, you can't listen to that. That that's got bad words, or or I don't like the way that's you know that that doesn't sound good, or whatever I'm saying to him. So he he says, okay. He doesn't argue. He's okay. You know, take it, and he'll go off in the other room and try to watch it. And it took me maybe a second to catch up with that. But once I did, and his mom does the same thing, we're like, no, that's not what I said. What I said was, you can't watch it. You shouldn't be watching it. Doesn't mean that you should watch it as long as mom and dad isn't around. So you had to explain that to him. Gotcha. You got to watch out for those little loopholes that kids so, have. Yeah, so, it's it's, so, so like in that, it's almost like he thinks you're saying to you, those are bad words or to you you don't like what is on there. So he's like, okay, well, I'll just go watch it in another room. Right. Because <laughs> you don't like it. <laughs> and, and, he, and he's very like nonchalant. He just, he's like, okay. And he gets up and tries to walk in the other room. But we know his game now. Uh, it's like, no, right. you can't watch that. You can't watch that. It yeah. doesn't matter what room you're in or what you're hiding under because he tries to hide sometimes too under the blankets or something. <laughs> Turn it down low. So you, you've always got to be on guard for, for the loopholes. And a lot of times it's what we say as parents. Yeah. Which is, it's very interesting. And I've really been putting a lot of effort into not just the the rules and guidelines I'm setting forth, but how I present them and what it's actually saying to the child. Yeah. Not just because there there's a lot of times there's a, what, what am I looking for? There, there's a gap. Um, there's a an understanding gap. We'll just call it that. Of how they are translating what we're saying. You know, it's something that we need to be aware of because you have to watch the child's response in order to really gauge what it is that they're hearing versus what you're actually saying. 
you right. know. And so you've got to make sure that what they're perceiving, I think a perception gap is a good word for it, what they're actually perceiving is online. So how do you do that? Well, you get the child to kind of summarize it back to you, not word for word. They need to summarize it in their own words, yeah. paraphrase, back to you, because that that shows their understanding of, of the translation from you to them and then back to you. So you got to get in that kind of that feedback loop to make sure that everybody's thinking the same thing. But then also like... This might sound bad to say it to do this, but like if you do that, then now you know that. So if I if if you tell your kid something and you have them tell basically tell you it back to them, tell what you just said back to you in in their own way. Now you understand you understand that they understand it. Mm -hmm. So if they go against that, then they did it on purpose. You know what I mean? Like they understood what you were what you were putting on out there. Yeah. So now they're just doing it by in di- being disobedient about it. Yes, I mean, I guess you can punish them for for that, and still just try to beat it into their head that you know this is why we don't do that, or this is why we do this, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at least at that point, there's no there's no gray area where you 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 may. You, you don't think in your own head that maybe I didn't explain this well enough or maybe I didn't let them know somehow that this is what they need to do or need to not do. Mm-hmm. So at least, at least, and it sounds bad, but at least at th- th- that point, you know, they're just being disobedient on purpose. Yeah, no, th- you know? that's exactly right. You want, and <clears throat> that's where you want to be though, because I don't even think it's, you worry about it that it's in your own head. I think that's probably from what I have determined when I kind of analyze my own parenting, I have determined in some situations when the conversation came back around that my child really didn't get what I was telling them. They mm-hmm. didn't understand. And so I always try to, you know, kind of develop that feedback loop so that I know that they're on, they're on the same page as me. Mm-hmm. Because you got to get down to brass tacks. You you need to close that gap first and foremost. Because if you don't, then you can't really expect them to you know, follow, follow the guidelines yeah. and because they, they, they don't understand and you got to make sure you try to close those, those loops or those uh, loopholes too. Right. Cause those are, those are killer, man. I yeah. used, I used the hell out of them when I was a kid all the time. Yeah. I would try to get around lies by just shading enough to where I could still say, but this part was true or this, you know, this was, I didn't tell you that I didn't do something. I would, you know, evade, the I, I would you know use misdirection. I would a lot of different tools that you can use if you're trying to be a good liar without actually having to lie, right. quote unquote. But then I was redirected at one point and said I was still being dishonest because I wasn't telling the truth. There's a truth here, and you weren't saying it. Therefore, you're still being dishonest, even if you're trying to use that loophole that you didn't lie. Right. I, I stuck to the loophole. You know, I, I <laughs> stayed in that gray area for <clears throat> the time being. But yeah, I just I, I know to watch out for those things because I was a child once. And like I said, I, I was a child that was I wasn't doing like I wasn't causing massive amounts of mayhem or anything. I was a pretty good kid for the most part. But I, I, I was sneaky. Right. When I wanted to do something, I, I was I would sneak around and, you know, find, but, find ways to do it. But you've also realized that, that makes you a better parent now, too. Right. Right. Because you That's, you know how you used to be, mm-hmm. and I guess you probably still are somewhat. But you yeah, know, <laughs> you're sneaky. You yeah. sneaky guy. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I try. I try to be sneaky in a good way now, though. You know. <laughs> yeah. But you're exactly right, though, and and that's all we can do that in life with a lot of different ways. Using our experience, even though it it 
it was a negative experience in some ways, not our fault, or if it was a negative experience in ways that was our fault mm-hmm. because we had some character traits that, you know, were shaded a little negative or a lot negative or, yeah. you know, being sneaky, something like that. Because I know my son pretty well because I, I see him and the way he thinks and I can relate to it. We don't think, you know, all the way alike because he's, he has a lot different interests than what I had when I was nine as far as his, you know, leisure time and things like that. But I, I'm on him, though. He's on my radar because I get how his mind does work, how yeah. he puts things together in a lot of ways. And so I'm always kind of trying to track that right. so that I'm up on his games. Yeah. Kids play games. It's, it's just kids. They're learning, <laughs> yeah. right? I and mean, we all kind of play games. Life is, you know, as far as psychologically goes, life is kind of a big game, you know. Mm-hmm. it's we, we always, in manipulation, it can have negative connotations. It can, you know, a lot of times when we say, manipulation we need we mean that in a negative way but we're constantly manipulating each other through interaction that that's how we communicate you know that's interpersonal relations is like right now i'm manipulating you to think about what i'm thinking about by using my words Mm -hmm. in a certain way by making eye contact with you right and when you're talking i I do it actively you know I, i nod my head just like you're doing now we're manipulating each other to create a flow of conversation and it's a flow of ideas because we use those words as, as a vehicle for the ideas that are in our brains. Right. And so we're constantly doing this with people, you know. Mm-hmm. We constantly do it with nonverbals too. As a matter of fact, nonverbal communication is way more powerful than verbal. And we don't even realize that, you know. A lot of times we're, we may not realize our facial expressions and, and other body language that we're using, mm-hmm. how that's actually sometimes negating the actual words that are coming out of our mouths. You know, and so this is constant manipulation that we're doing to each other. Right. And we've, we've got to watch the way and try to teach our kids the, the, the proper way to manipulate those around them in a positive way through communication. Right. Yeah. And you got to do that by tracking them, tracking the little bastards. <laughs> <laughs> They're sneaky. <laughs> got to track those little bastards. But anyway, is, you know, speaking of having confidence, let's, you know, I think we should move on into uh, the kind of the main topic that we had decided we were going to speak of today. I know you've been doing a lot of training, professional training. Uh, what would you call it? Professional development training? Something uh, like that? Just like leadership training. Leadership training? Yeah. At your job, which I love. I think that companies who do that, they've got their eye on the ball in a lot of ways because basically what they're doing is they are grooming the next management uh, potential coming up in the future. Right. And and they're they're not starting when, oh, we, we've got an opening. Let's let's train this guy. Right. Let's give him a crash course in leadership over the next, you know, maybe week if we have time. Right. If we're short staffed, then he's gonna have to go back on the floor or whatever. Uh, they're doing this to groom folks for the future. And I think that's that's very good foresight to have. Mm-hmm. Very good insight. And, and I know it comes from experience and there's a lot of smart people who have come up with those ideas in companies, I don't, I don't know. I, I doubt it was your company per se that came up with this. It was probably years and years ago, but it's been right. a, a company um, developmental, you know, a development uh, practice strategy for probably a long time. Maybe your company did come up with it. I don't know. Right. Just saying though, it's it's a very smart idea, and they they're bringing a lot of good topics to the table that you and I can discuss as well and unpack. Yeah, I I, I just think that companies, and I, I know we've said this before, and we've talked about it before, but. Companies who are looking toward the future are the companies that are going to succeed, I believe. And that doesn't mean the company itself. It means the people that are running the company in all different facets of the entire company. You're going to have people who 
just come in to, to work every day. That's all they want to do. They just want to come in. They want to leave. They want to clock in and clock out and go home to their family. Right. That's their work-life balance. Mm-hmm. You know, work work's important to everybody because it brings in the dollars, but that's, you know, for a lot of people, that's that's it. That's just, that's just what they want to do, and that's what keeps them content in life. And I'm partially there, um, but I also watch a lot of people, and I also formulate ideas and thoughts in my mind when I see things that happen and how people act and react to situations and stuff like that. And a lot of times, especially when it's management or, you know, people that are above me and status in, in a company that I work for. And I've, I've always been this way. I just see how they react to situations. And I just wonder, I, I, I formulate like how, how I would react to that situation. Mm-hmm. What I've done the same thing and then try to think about what were the, what would the outcomes be? So I know what the outcome is of what they just did or what they just said in this situation, you know, and then I try to think about, well, what if I said this or what if I did this differently? How would that situation have played out? Sometimes you you have no idea because a lot of times it deals with people and you have to deal with people's reactions to things, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're a leader or a supervisor or a manager or something like that, you're dealing with people. And a lot of times you have a lot of different um, personalities you have to deal with. You can't say the same things to one person that you say to another, you know, because they react differently in situations but somehow you have to form a team with everybody to where everybody, if they, even if they don't get along, they have to be able to work. Um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for there. They have to be able to work side by side with mm-hmm. each other, even if they don't necessarily like each other, like, like each other. And you're going to have that. I think you're going to have different work ethics of people, you know, some people, and I've been in this scenario before where I am, I, I pride myself on, on, being a very hard worker. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I see people around me that aren't, you know, and I'm not saying like every day they, I'm not saying like every second of every day, everybody has to be just busting their ass. I'm not that type of person by right. any means. Yeah. But if, if there's a lot of work to be done and you have people who are just standing around talking or, you know, whatever, that's an, that's an issue. And, but that's not just an issue um, from a supervisor standpoint. That's an issue from a company standpoint. Mm-hmm. That means that your company is paying people to stand around, but also paying people to bust their ass. You know what I'm saying? So like you have to, I think from a company point of view, you have to look at those things. You have to look at those things too. And I'm not saying necessarily fire people or anything like that, but you know, you've got to have a, at least a, a um, clean slate of people all across the board who are at least putting in effort. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My biggest thing is that if I'm busting my ass and I see people around me that are not, it pisses me off. But my, uh, what I do when I get pissed off is just work harder. Right. That that's, that's what I go to. The problem is people see that people see this, but they also see that I'm pissed. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing kind of things that I have to work through. Because it's never a, really a matter of I'm pissed off directly at somebody. It's more about I'm pissed off at a situation that's happening. And I'm already busting my ass. So my now it's just put your head down. Don't worry about everything else around you. Just work harder and you do you and leave. That's, that's the thing right there. You do you. Yeah. Because you also, I'm sure, have the choice to not work as hard as what you're working. Right. It's a personal choice that you make. But because of your work ethic... 
you're going to work hard, and yet it still pisses you off when you see others not working right. hard. Yeah. And I, I dealt with that a lot because I, I spent a lot of time in factories as well. And, well, let me ask you about this scenario because this is something that we would do. Granted, we were a union shop, so we had a lot of leeway, especially back then, talking late 90s, early 2000s, where – well, we we could do things a certain way and kind of get by with it, okay? As long as as long as we were getting the product put out. So what we would do on certain jobs, you had the ability to build up. So you'd work your ass off for you know thirty, forty five minutes, even an hour sometimes, building up that part, mm-hmm. and then we'd either take turns and, and and take breaks and do whatever we wanted to there for the next, you know, hour or whatever, because we would rotate from position to position within a certain uh, department. Gotcha. And so when you got to that position, you had the ability, if you choose to, you you had the opportunity, if you chose to, to build up and then use half your time, maybe, uh, maybe some more, maybe some less, depending, but you had the ability to go and then do whatever you wanted to. Okay, and some people would get mad about that. They 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 would see us do that, but their their preference was to work just a steady stream. It's right. like why work my butt off? We got to be here for twelve hours anyway, so I'm just going to do my thing. Well, those guys are over there screwing off. Yeah, but we built this up to be able to screw off at this point in time. Right. So, what are your thoughts on that? Would that have pissed you off? It depends, I guess. So you're saying would it piss me off if I was in the position of the people who I'm just a steady worker that I just steadily work 12 hours no matter what? Um, I don't know. That, that That's kind of a tough one because you can look at it as, well, they put in double, triple the work in that one hour than I did. Yeah. So they kind of get to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, everybody, it, 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 it's, it's a personal choice, though. Yeah. We had the ability to work on certain, in other certain, like, uh, positions within that department. You had to stay there because you were actually assembling the pieces together and you were waiting on the line to come down. We were building truck seats, okay? Okay. And so we would, you'd be, like, putting the bottom to the back of the seat, screwing it in, you know, and it would go to the next guy who'd put on the side shields and handles, yada, yada, and it'd go to the next guy who would bag it up and it would be lifted on to the actual, the, uh, we were working in the, on the rear seat. So it'd be put on the front seats that were coming down the line, just sits there and it, it gets shipped out. Mm-hmm. They would go on the, on the racks and get shipped out later. So there were some positions where you couldn't do that, but the positions back here toward the back, you could, you could build up. Sometimes you could build up if you, if you got, if you knew what you were doing, or if you had like a lot of clout in the department, you could stick to one position. You could, hey, you mind if I stay on this position all night? Because some people didn't like some of the jobs. I gotcha. So they would be able to skip them. Uh-huh. And so if you got on one of those positions, you could build up for the rest of the night and take like the rest of the night off once you got the number of seats because you could project how many seats you needed. And if you would start to run out of something, you could always come back and, and do one and fill that one. But then you're just kind of goofing off the rest of the time, gotcha. doing, doing whatever you want to do. But you, you built up, you, you did the same amount of work you just did it really quickly because you wanted to right you yeah. know yeah and, and and i get that uh it's not exactly what i was what i'm the scenario that i'm painting mm-hmm. um the scenario that i have seen and have talked about is more like people that don't just don't put in a lot of effort I, I get ac- across the board but I, I know what you're saying yeah i get it um but speaking of that i look back on it now and i'm sure you do too the job the job where me and you met each other we did that kind of a thing quite a bit and the, I'm not going to name what we were doing or the company or anything like that, but basically what we would do is turn up the line 
to go extremely fast to where all of the women at the end of the line would just be bombarded with work Yeah, to where they're not going to catch up by the end of the day. So we can't just keep putting out more work. So we would get to go home early. And we would do that all the time. And the fact that managers never stopped us doing that, we uh, did that a lot. Yeah. Like we would leave early a lot of days just because we had maybe what, 10, 15 people on that line who everybody just kind of looked at each other and said, let's do it. Uh-huh. And we just turn everything up, blast out of work for an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. And then leave an hour early. And these women were so pissed yeah. all the time. I could, I could imagine if I were in their shoes, I'd be pissed too. Yeah, I would too. Because... You didn't follow us to the new building. You I were, didn't. You were already gone. Yeah. But there, there came a time where I, I slowed stuff down. To and it, it, it didn't cause happy feelings with people on the line who were wanting to get it out. Fast. Yes. Gotcha. But, but I slowed it down, and so we had some. But I already came from. I've been working in factories for a long time up to that point. Yeah. I knew. I do a lot of the tricks. You know. I knew how to how to manipulate a line. Yeah. To do what I needed it to do. Mm-hmm. And these guys didn't know what to think about it when it came down to it, you know. And I pissed some people off is what I'm getting to. Yeah. Because they, it was a game of chess, and I, I, I checkmated them several times. I, I really wasn't trying to just piss people off, but I, I was trying to slow it down. A, I didn't want to. I, I didn't agree for this. Like it has, it needs to be a unanimous thing. Mm-hmm. Like if three or four people think, okay, let's speed up the line so we can get out of here and go home early. You need to make sure it's okay with everybody first, right? And you didn't check with me, right? One, not that I'm king, dude, but there was not even a vote. They just decided, and they so they cranked up the line because they had the line speed. Well, I had the ability to slow it down at the yeah. end of the line, yeah. you know, by just not taking the next product off of there. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, I well, eventually well, started slowing that down because it, it needs to be like you don't want to you don't want to screw your neighbor, right? Like you know, like kind of what we were doing there for a while to get out. We we really were loading those ladies up with work. Right, but then, like you said, you know, it needs to be a unanimous decision because, as far as jobs go, some people want that forty hours, or you know, or however long they need that. 40 they need hours. that forty hours. Yeah. You know, if you have four people on a line who want to get out of here an hour early every day, so they want to blast work out, but everybody else wants that forty hours to work to, you know, help their family live. Mm-hmm. You know that, but those four people are going to try to force everybody else out of that time. That's not. You know, yeah. it's all, if it's all unanimous and everybody's like, hell yeah, let's get out of here. This day sucks or whatever. That's I'm fine with that. That's great. You know, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I've just the the picture I'm trying to paint is more of people who just aren't doing their fair share. They just aren't doing their, their fair share. And, yeah. e- and even if they see you uh, with a lot like a shitload of work that needs to be done, but they don't either they they try they don't put in the effort to help you even though they don't have much work to do or i don't know i guess that's you know i guess that's yeah. pretty pretty much the majority of it like i i hate even no matter where you are no matter what job you're doing if you're doing a, something and your neighbor around you doesn't have anything to do or is low on work or something like that even if they don't know how to do your job they can help you out somehow they can, you know, they can come over and they can be like, Hey, what can I do? You know, mm-hmm. even if it's something simple, simple things when you're packed full of work can help. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, I know what you're saying. And there's a lot of perspective there. There's the perspective that, you know, um, you do you and I'll do me. Yeah. And so if you're the type that wants to go help somebody else because you're low on work and you, and you, 
Otherwise, you'd be kind of twilling your thumbs. Mm-hmm. That's on you. You know, it, it, I grew into this perspective. Um, but if it's the opposite and, and someone else is twilling their thumbs and, and you need help, you also have to go that way as well. Right. Not not the one way or the other. It depends on that person because it's it's a personal choice they have to make. Yeah. And it's con- it's all congruent with their work ethic, right? Right. It depends on how they how they view things. And sometimes people probably don't even. I know when I first started in the factory, I was well. The first when I first started, I was building bicycles, and that was I was what nineteen or twenty, you know. And then I started my first big job, the union shop job, at twenty one, and I was still a kid. You know, I didn't have a lot of perspective on what it means to um, have work ethic in, in that sense, I guess, because I'd never been in a job where there was so much dependency on another. I never worked on a line before. Let me put it mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Except for a sawmill line, but it was different because I was just stacking big, gigantic pieces of wood <laughs> that were cut off trees, slabs, you know, technically. Anyway, so I had to learn and grow, and some people probably still don't have that perspective. Maybe they don't want to, and maybe they're just POS, uh, and they just don't care. Or maybe, you know, once again, they figure, well, you know, if I'm loaded down with work and you don't want to help me, you don't have to either. Yeah. And so, and this is me not helping you. So yeah. it's fair in that sense, you know. Well, I think I think another big thing, though, is the mindset of the people who bust their ass every day when they go, like, they plan on, when they go to work, they're going to plan on busting their ass. And, like, I know this is for me. I, I Sometimes I'll see people who, you know, don't don't really put in much effort or whatever. And you have two ways you can go with that. You can be like, well, apparently we don't have to put in a whole lot of work around here. So why am I working so hard? Right. But then my brain goes to, well, I'll be the one that gets in trouble if I slow down. Why is that? Probably because I busted my ass every day that I've worked here for years. If I slow down, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a scenario where um, the person who busts their ass all the time, if they slow down, it's noticed. Yeah. The people who haven't put in effort much mm-hmm. at all for years, it's not really going to, I mean, the those are the people that get praised. Some Like, the person who doesn't put in as much effort, it's noticed when they do put in a lot of effort, and they're praised for it. But the person who always puts in effort, if they slow down, now something's wrong, or there's got to be a reason why they're not working as hard anymore, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, that's not right. I guess in, in a sense, you can look at it this way and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I am, but you were chosen for the leadership training. True. Yes. The people who aren't busting their ass at all probably weren't. Correct. True. So in, in the, at the end of the day, you are being noticed and, but that's not universal because I know a lot of hard workers do go unnoticed. You know, I, I saw a post not too long ago. I'm paraphrasing here to some degree, at least. Maybe I'm butchering the whole thing, but it said when hard work isn't goes unnoticed and uh, lack of work isn't punished, right? You have low morale in, at the right. job site, right? right. Yeah. And, and that's true, and I've seen it happen in a lot of places. Yeah, uh, and it and it's it's killer. It, yeah. it kills people. You burn people. You burn your good people out. Yeah, and your weak people. They're just the weak people because you got to have bodies there doing whatever it is they're doing. Right. But in your case, it's you're being noticed because you're in that leadership training. They've seen your work ethic. Yeah. Because that translates as a as a manager, whatever you're going to do, a supervisor, whatever you're going to do later, that translates into okay, he's going to expect that from other people as well. See, because there's that trickle down. Right. It, you don't want someone. 
who doesn't have a lot of hard work ethic, not just because they, they might not get their own job done, but they're not going to have that perspective for other people. They're, right. they're, they're not going to give them the directive, the motivation they need to get their job done right. with a lot of gusto, you right. know? And so you have been noticed. So there is that, there is that reward that that's your payoff. There is that. But then there's the thought of looking towards the future. Say you get put in that position. How do you, how do you control that? You know what I mean? Like say if, say if I was promoted at some point to a supervisor and I have the same situation underneath me, how do I control that same situation that's going on? You know what I mean? Sure. You know, and you, I, you have to look at it from, I guess, a higher perspective than where you are now, because now a person can't control it. Like the person who hasn't been promoted yet can't control it, but at a certain point they could. And how do you do that without, making a culture shock for everyone in a department. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, I think you do have to, even when you're in a, an elevated position, such as a managerial position, you still have to kind of, I think it's very helpful for you to refer back to your time right now where you're yeah. seeing it on the ground floor, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have to kind of project back to what it was like being on the floor and working with those people because A, you want to protect your good workers. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of the day, when you have a, a position that has a little more authority, you've got some teeth behind it now, then you, you set some examples. You make some examples, and you see if you shake things up in that, that place. Yeah. You know, you pick the worst one, and you let everybody see, hey, this isn't going to fly. And so you, you create the paper trail. You start doing the write-ups. You follow through with protocol, and you stick to it. And then by the time you get to that last piece of paper, you know, that last warning, that last write-up, then you let everybody see you walk that person out. Where's so-and-so? Well, he's not here anymore because he wasn't performing like he should have, and he had many warnings. So I hope that all of you all don't follow in those footsteps. Yeah. And, and I think that's how you approach that. But you also remember, I think, to keep the perspective of what it's like to be on the floor. Yeah, and, so, sure. and so you try to give that person, I'm sure it's part of protocol, with a company that has as much insight as, as yours, um, you, you don't just give them a write-up, you give them counseling, which yeah. most companies, I think, do that now anyway. You give them a, a very clear and direct path to correct their problem, mm -hmm. you know, because, okay, this, you're doing A, B, and C wrong, and we'll be watching A, B, and C to make sure that you improve on those things, and this is how you do it, and if, if I'm going to give you these tools, and if you need any help, Come talk to me. Come talk to somebody. Right. Because this is your first warning, and there will be others to follow if you don't correct your, your errors. Right. So uh, I, I think you'll do fine if, if and when you do choose to accept such a mission, such a position. Yeah. You know. Thanks again to you, the CEP listener. Remember that word of mouth feels like getting the job done for us, so don't forget to tell your friends and family about the great variety that you hear right here on the CEP. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you consume the podcast that you love so much to keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes with the automaticity. Also on that note, when you go to Apple Podcasts, it would help us immensely if you would give us a five-star rating while you're there to show your love for the CEP. Don't forget to give us all of your love on the socials, and be sure to visit the launching pad for all things cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And of course, if you need to contact us, you can do that at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Pick up all your official CEP network merch at buyjack.com slash CEP. And that's all I've got, folks. So until next time, be sure to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours nice and toasty out there. See ya.